WATV Radio seeks to inform and engage the Bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army and the kingdom. We recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the powers of the air. We are a ministry of prayer, and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe. We provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army. So we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATV disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Bride Time Live, yay! I'm here tonight to interview another awesome pastor, another awesome apostle, actually. Please give it up for Mr. Dennis. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? Well, I'm so honored to have you and your beautiful wife who is sitting over here with us in my home tonight. And listen, I, there's so much that you're going to be able to impart into the bride tonight. And I just want to let them know up front that there will be an opportunity after he shares his story uh, for you to actually text questions. So if you hear him uh, doing things, just put the questions. Actually, if you could uh, put the questions in there uh, in the message, in a private message to me, that would be great. Because sometimes when they do it on the live video, uh, it, you know, over time it just swallows up. So yeah. if you would just send me a private message with your question. Tonight we are highlighting the Shofar Call International Ministry, which is located in Cincinnati, Ohio, correct? Right. Okay, now I want you to take us back in time. Now, first, tell us your age. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's important. Well, um, I was 74 in January. Yay, 74. Listen, because you are like a papa, is the reason I'm asking this, because we're going to pull on your mentorship tonight. Uh, take us back in time. Okay, now, where was you born? I was born in Decatur, Illinois. Okay, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And was you born in a big family, small family? Were they Christians or what? Well, it was a family of six, and I was the baby. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and my mother, unfortunately, uh, she had two daughters. The oldest, they were great, but then they had a brother that was a blue baby. That's what they called him. Then. Wow, what's born, a blue baby? Born dead. Aww. So, born and then, you know, immediately died. Yeah. But then... Uh, they originally, before I was around, they lived on a farm. My father farmed, and he was a very intelligent man, but he got in the drinking. And yes. The drinking got the best of him, and it ruined him. He lost his farm, Aww. lost everything they had, pretty much. And then my mother and father were divorced because he would beat her and be rude, unfortunately. That's and, why you identify with my story. That's right. So wow. much. Wow. Okay. So, but then. He did get saved. He asked forgiveness of his sins, but 
by that time, of course, he was an old man, and I was just coming on the scene as a little boy yeah. in those days. And my mother pretty well raised me, but she raised me in an independent church of God. And it was a lot of fun because I would go clean the church with her. And when she'd be cleaning the church, she'd go sneak over to their piano, and she didn't know a note any more than I know a note. But yeah. she could sing and play that piano. Oh, so, so that's where you get I your creativity. It. And I like to sing because of that, and I, I love music and worship. Oh. Yeah. So she just started doing that. Did her husband know she did that? I don't think at that point, because, see, he was gone before I was born. She oh. already had to leave him because of the beatings and stuff. Oh, okay. Now so, I misunderstood. Yeah, no, but she... I think they all knew the Lord then. They just yeah. weren't walking that necessarily. But my mother was. My mother yeah. always did. Yeah. She was faithful. So So she ended yeah. up raising y'all. Was she single or did she get married? No, she again? never got married again. She believed, wow. my mother believed that when you were divorced, you stayed divorced. Yeah. Unless it was adultery and you know, something like that or you were widowed. Yeah. But she didn't think her, him beating her, I guess, was a reason to divorce. And I respect that. Now, did so, so he divorced her then? You know, I really don't know which way it was. But did he that. ever marry again? No. No? Wow. Either one. And they both died within a month apart when they died, and they were the same age. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. funny? It is. Well, okay, so your mom ended up raising y'all single parents. Now, yeah. okay, we're, we're talking, what, 50, 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in those days, a single parent back then is not like the single parent when I was a single parent no. because we had the help. You know, I mean, we had governmental assistance and we had the neighborhood stuff. But back then, I know because my mom was a single parent, they didn't have that kind of stuff. Right. So how did she survive? What was well, her story? Well, we lived in a three-room house. She paid $20 a month for rent. <laughs> Awesome, $20 a month, yeah. We had an outside toilet about 50 yards in the back. Wow. And we had a pump outside. We had to pump our water. Yes, uh -huh. And then uh, we had a coal stove in our living room. Wow. And we had to bring coal. They'd bring the coal and drop it down in the area underneath. It wasn't a really a full basement. It was just a coal bin underneath your house. Wow, really? And we had to go down these steps and go in there and get that coal and bring it up and put it in that stove. Yeah. Wow. And so when my when my brothers were at home, we all three slept in the same bedroom, probably in the same bed. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't remember all that. And uh, it was a rollaway bed, as I recall. And then my mother slept in the bedroom. You know? Yeah. It was one bedroom, one living room, one kitchen. That's how my mom's house was. And when yes. you took a bath, it was a big tub. Yeah. She heated the water, threw it in there, and said it's warm get in and when i got in i was still freezing because wow. she couldn't get warm <laughs> yeah uh -huh. so anyway but it was fun too i mean when you're poor you don't know what yeah, it's like that's I, didn't, right. I didn't understand it but i walked a mile to school every day from the first grade to the sixth grade and then wow I a whole mile started in junior high what was your christmases like i want a christmas story Oh, Christmas story. Yeah. I used to Christmas. love the bulbs on a tree. Yeah. That Where you can see your face in them. Yeah. I always remember the bulb. A silver bulb 
I don't know that nothing was on it other than it would look like a glass. Yeah. And you'd see your funny looking face on it. You know how it makes your face yes, look white? Uh -huh. I remember that. And I remember I never got more than one gift. I never got more than one wow. gift. But I didn't think about it. Yeah. That was it. That was I mean, a big deal, probably you know, yeah. getting just the one to get. Just one having gift. Christmas. Just, yeah. Just singing those songs. I love to sing those songs. All of them. Oh, would y'all, would y'all, because I've got a picture of what the house, I'm back in time with it. Would y'all just sit around and just sing as a family? You know, I don't remember that because my brothers were seven and ten years older than me. Oh, okay. When I was real little, we probably did because we would meet with my sisters. We'd meet with other family members and not go up at their house. Yeah. We couldn't get anybody in our house. You know, yeah, just yeah. to move around. Kind of like the bathroom in an airplane today, you know, commercial yeah. airplane. So, but we did go to my aunt Knuckles' house, and, and I remember we'd have turkey and you know, nice sized dinner. Yeah. And uh, it was fun. I, I remember those days were good. Well, what happened when you grew up? Like, did you was you able to finish high school? Because mom had to stop, and because back then they did farming, and you right. didn't graduate. I mean, well, right? when my mother was divorced and separated from my dad, she cleaned houses yeah. and cleaned the church. And I would go with her when, it, when school was out. Yeah. During the day, I would go with her. We'd ride a bus and go to these different houses on the West End. That was the, you know, the richer people, right? Yeah. And we'd go and, and she cleaned houses. And uh, again, one family that I remember well, they were so good, so nice. The people had boys my age and everything, a great big red dog, you know, I remember that. Yeah. And I used to have a lot of fun with them because they would play with me. The other house I went to was a very uppity real estate lady and her husband, and they would tell me to play in the basement. And I remember playing around a furnace area for a long time. You know? Yeah. And they'd give me little blocks or something to play with. Yeah. But again, I didn't know the difference, so I didn't really think too much about it. Yeah. Now if a kid had to do that. <laughs> It'd be yeah. abuse. Yeah. That would be abuse. Right. You gotta right. give him a video right. game. You right. gotta give him a TV. Right. But I yeah. just remember that my mother went to church every week and uh, I remember the people. Well, I can remember some of them just, I can see their face still to this day. Yeah. And I loved to hear him sing, and I liked my preacher, Reverend Barnett. Oh. And I remember church Was camp. you still in the Church of God at this yeah. time? You yeah. You was all yeah. the time? It was a little Church of God, too. I didn't yeah. know everything they believed other than they knew Jesus was Lord. I know that. Yeah, yeah. They taught me well there. And, yeah. and by the way, when I would go outside to an outside toilet, yeah. you're going to laugh at this, I'm telling you. I remember every time I go in there, I look down that hole and say, Oh no. Devil, you better not touch me. <laughs> <laughs> I would be scared to snakes. Yeah. I would be imagining what would be growing down there. I thought that's where the devil lived. You know? <laughs> that is so funny. It smelled bad, you know, so I figured yeah. it must be bad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was good times. And then my mother got hard into arteries, and I was in. The sixth, I was going into the sixth grade, I remember that, we had to move into a housing project. Most yeah. people would understand, they're usually two stories, and again, there we had two bedrooms, well, yeah. we had a bathroom inside. Wow. That was something, had yeah. a sink and all that stuff. And so it was really modern for us. Yeah. You know? But you still had to bring coal in. 
at that time. Oh, they eventually converted it over to heat. Yeah. But I started in the sixth grade, and then the school at that time, I said I went six years a mile. No, it was five years. That school was right across the street from my house. Oh, that's nice. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I was close to school, and but she never went to church again when we moved there. Why? Well, the church I didn't tell you. The church before was right down the street from us. Yeah, yeah. So Not even a block. Walk. We walked to church. Yeah. Now the closest church was probably eight blocks to a mile, and my mom wasn't going to do that. But a lady would always ask her, and this is where you got to tell parents and grandparents or whatever, don't ever think you're a burden on your kids or somebody because people ask you to do something. They're serious. They want to help you. Yeah. And you're stealing their blessing. Yeah. But she stole this lady's blessing. This lady would always come by asking her, could I take you to church this week? Aww, I don't want to infringe on you, honey. You just go ahead, you know. So we didn't go to church. So living in the projects and hanging with the kids in the projects, who most of them didn't have two parents either. Some other parents were drinking all the time or carousing, and you, you knew you kind of yeah. knew at our age. By the sixth grade, I could tell you know somebody really had a bad home life or something, and uh, so we hung out in bad neighborhood. We did bad things. And I remember stealing watermelons and just dumb stuff. You know, yeah. But um, really bad stuff. Never did anything really bad. You know, you could go yeah. to jail for. Yeah. <clears throat> but I just didn't have the best uh, bringing up where somebody raised me right. So I had friends that would let me stay at their house all night or half the night. Their parents would let me stay. Yeah. And 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 the sad thing is I. Always, it's good in a way and bad in a way, but I always had a girlfriend. I had yeah. a girlfriend in kindergarten. And her fa her, her family didn't know it. And they were doing a, uh, something at a park where they were walking and they walked across this bridge area and she fell off that bridge and became unconscious. Oh no. And so in the hospital, the doctor asked her mother, what do you want to ask your daughter? And she said, who's your boyfriend? Because, you know, little girls. <laughs> yeah. I got a boyfriend. Like that. Yeah. And she said, Denny. And her mom says, boy, something's wrong. It's not Denny. Because her mom thought it was some other kid. Oh. And so they had to really check that out. But I was <laughs> <laughs> so, Did they find out who the real Denny was? <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. But I always liked girls. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I didn't have a problem like so that. what happened to your mom? I'm on the edge of my seat. Well, it got so bad, she had Harding Arteries bad, and I was getting out of high school. And in high school, again, I was busy all the time. I loved artwork. I used yeah. to do oil paintings and a lot of drawings. And wow. so their family had room, and they let me come to their house Yeah. a few blocks away. And uh, I remember I would stay over there, always drawing and always painting. And they would let me smoke. Yeah. And here I am. I'm in junior high smoking. Yeah. I was 13 years old. Oh, I know. Smoking. I was too. 12. I don't believe it today. You know? Yeah. No kid of mine would be doing that, but, mm -hmm. but I did it. Yeah. But I remember I'd hang out there, and, and I wasn't very respectful of her because she said, hey, you get home, you get to bed, and I didn't do it. And I just passed through school, you know, just yeah. like right there on the edge all the time. Yeah. And I, I'd be real nice. I've got to ask. This is on, <laughs> no, wait. This is on my uh, heart. Was you Dennis the Venice? Yep. Are you the original Dennis? <laughs> 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 
that's what I tell people. I no am, way. I am the original dentist. Wow, that's sure. amazing. I just I put this little piece of hair up for you. Because he had that little yes. hair up there. But yeah, no, I always said that. And my wife, when I first married her, she was insulted because I would tell people I'm Dennis and Miss, and I embarrassed her. Now I think she's gotten used to it. But the reason I say that is I am a menace, but the main person, if I'm a menace to you, I'm sorry. <laughs> the real person I'm a menace, a menace to is Satan. Yeah. He hates my guts, and yeah. I hate his guts. Yeah. I think that's all right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go back to your mom. And my mom just kept getting worse Aww. to where by the time I left home and went in the military, I mean, I went in immediately oh, after high school. Uh, it wasn't months that they, my brother was taking care of her, he let him stay in her house until it got so bad that they had to put her in a nursing home. And she was on public aid, you know, it got so bad she couldn't work, she, yeah. she was on public aid. And um, so they had her in one of the worst nursing homes in town, you know, that's the way it is. Yeah. Or the way it was. So she finally, one night, she just had a heart attack and died, and I think they said she, uh, Somehow got tied up in the sheets or something, trying to get out of bed, and something happened. But uh, you know, when she died, and I come home for that funeral, I will never ever forget. It was the worst day of my life. What? Well, when you weren't very obedient to your mom, and you stayed out to when you wanted, and you didn't obey, oh. it all comes back. And I said, Mom. I'm sorry, I wish you could hear me, I'm sorry. It was tough, you know. Yeah. So, to, to this day, I think that I've had a special place in my heart for single mothers, abused mothers, and really old ladies, because I know they must be lonely and sad and hurt in a lot of ways. Yeah. <clears throat> and now, now it's worse because for the last several years, I got convicted over abortion. And every time they start talking about abortion, I would try to grit my teeth and not cry out, but I cry out. And I'm kind of a tender guy anyway, yeah. and it don't take too much. We went to the Bible Museum today, and I did the same thing, just the Bible, you know, the stories. Can you bring us that box of tissues? But, but that was the worst, because when I realized what people were doing to enjoy sex, they would kill a baby on purpose, because they just wanted to keep having fun. Yeah. I thought, no, that's not right, you know? Yeah. We had two daughters. We didn't really worry about whether my wife got pregnant or not all that time, but it, it was two daughters, that's what we had. So I figured that's what God wanted us to have. Yeah. And they grew up to both be in the mission work in in some way, you know, and that's great. And they got great husbands. Well, go back but to they, you. But me, right. At the funeral. Yeah, okay, at the You're funeral. You're saying bye to your mom. No one else was crying that much, it was me. I was just crying yeah. and crying and crying. Well, you was the baby. Yeah. You know, and you so it was a tough day. And my mother's sister was kind of like a mother to me. And I remember my wife also, uh, my Aunt B, she loved my wife. She said, Danny, you be good to her. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> but she was, she was, she kept her sanity and lived about 90 years old or so. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So if I didn't have my aunt and uncle, <clears throat> I wouldn't have been able to say I had somebody like a parent. Yeah. My grandparents were dead before I was born. And then I lost uh, my one sister early on. And then my sister Joyce uh, died next in row, I think. And then my brother Jim, he was 69 when he died. Now it's my brother Richard and I. And Richard's, I'm 74, so he's 82, I think. So we well, play golf together and have fun together, my brother and I. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Now I want to talk about you and your wife. Uh, so you was basically, what, about 19 or 20 when your mother passed? Uh, probably right in there, 19, I think, or 20. Yeah. Uh, did you know about the show far then, or does it come no. after your marriage? It comes after I'm married. Okay, well, let's, let's find out how you met her and what's okay. the story of you and her. That was a wild moment. <laughs> oh, Lord, now we're going to get into the women. <laughs> Well, when my mother, to kind of go back a minute, before my mother died, knowing that she had been on public aid and she wasn't getting good assistance, back then they didn't have it the way they do now. You were responsible for your parents. Yeah. And my family all had kids. <clears throat> so my nephew said, why don't you just get a hardship discount and get an early out and take care of your mother? What? You could do that in the military? You could, yeah. And he said, wow. if you do that, I've got a job waiting for you, selling insurance. Wow. So after two years, right about two years, I stayed in reserve for five more years. But for two years, I was in regular duty, and I loved it. Yeah. But I did leave, and I didn't want to leave, but I left to come home and take care of Mom. And you know, within two months, they changed the law. And I could have went back in. I probably should have, but I already had this job selling insurance. And right now, I wish, talking to different friends, yeah. and even one today, uh, I wish I would have spent more time there, because I enjoyed the military. Yeah. But I just felt, well, I'm already out, you know, now. Yeah. So, but I just felt that I had to get out at that time, because I didn't want my family, my brothers and sisters, being able to carry the whole load. Yeah. And me not. And you didn't make enough money in the military to share one-third of the cost, you know. Yeah. So, and you're talking about your mom. Yeah, Take right. mom. Okay. So, but then when I got out, uh, when when we met, my nephew who had hired me selling insurance, we were having a great sales day. I remember we were getting ready to go to a convention up in Chicago, and he got us on the phone with the trainer, and we got to talk to the class. So she got to hear my voice before I got to see her or hear her voice because she was in that training class. <laughs> That's awesome. And she probably said right then, I want to get to know that guy. Because, <laughs> by the way, when I first heard Dennis was on the phone, and I said, you have missed your calling. Your voice is a radio voice for sure. I know, because I do radio. But anyway, so that's what attracted you, huh? Yeah. No, no not really. Right. It was a joke. Oh. But, but what really happened then, uh, I went up to the convention. Yeah. And when we got there, Merle, my, my nephew, is introducing me to this girl. And he says, this is Betty yeah. Showers, and she's going to be coming down to Bloomington, Illinois. 
where we were living at that time, yeah. and she's going to be selling insurance with us. <laughs> and all I could say is, wow, wow. You know, I thought, this Aww. is good. Really a pretty woman, you know, beautiful woman. And so then he said, but now Betty has asked me if we could follow her down there because she's got a uh, U-Haul trailer on the back of her car, and she don't know where she's going. <laughs> could you just let her follow you down there? And I said, yeah, it might give me some points, and maybe I will. Yeah. So I followed, and then she was driving 50, and I'm a young guy that used to driving as fast as I could. Yeah, oh Lord. <laughs> so now I wasn't so excited about it. Yeah. Know? But once I got down there and met her, and we got to know each other, and she seemed like a gal that had her act together, and I didn't. So yeah. I thought, well, maybe if I hang around with her, maybe I'll get a little sharper. <laughs> So we became friends, we sold insurance together, and then eventually, I'll, I'll shorten the story a little bit, you don't have to know every detail right now, but the, <laughs> short, the short end of it is, yeah. I proposed to her and she married me, Aww. and it wasn't long, about, a, what was it, a year or two, yes, yeah, so, well two years, we had a baby, Aww. and I wanted a boy, yeah. Michael, didn't get Michael, I got Monica, I thought that was good. <laughs> Michael and Monica, funny. So then uh, two years later, we had another baby, and I thought, oh, Michael. Yeah. No, it's Michelle. Oh, it's funny. <laughs> and we never had any more kids. Yeah. But it was all good. It was all fun. But I remember one of the main things probably a lot of men think about is when you get married, that's a burden when you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. When you weren't raised right. Right. And then when you actually... I uh, had the first kid, I'm saying, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm going to raise this kid, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was something else. But we were not walking with the Lord then. Yeah. In case you're interested, and you probably yeah. are. Yeah. We weren't, but we both knew about the Lord. And my wife was raised similar to the way I was That's raised. That's why I was just about to ask. But her dad was at home all the time, and he was very abusive and very hurtful yeah. to her. So she had a tough life. So y'all were like two fireballs coming <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, we were. And we both had our minds made up about things. And really, I, I mean this, we just about destroyed each other yeah. physically, mentally, and emotionally probably because we didn't know what to do and we wanted our way. Yeah. So one day we're looking out of our apartment window and we see right across the street, God already had a plan. Wow, what happened? A church right across the street. Oh. I didn't have to walk 50 yards, <laughs> church yeah and we said maybe we ought to get ourselves over there and just see if that maybe we can get some help there yeah and we ran into a pastor Wally Craig I'll never forget the man and his wife now what Beautiful. kind of churches I gotta know do I have to say denomination well I was just wondering if you went if God put you back in the church of God no it wasn't no it was more of the uh, general line church oh, okay got you which is okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't like to talk denominations because yeah, yeah. I don't believe in denominations. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. God didn't treat them. Yeah, yeah. There's good people in every denomination. Yeah. And there's safe people in every denomination. Yeah. But anyway, I went to that church for quite a while, and every time I turned around, they were putting us into positions because they knew, they learned about us. They'd come to visit us in our home, which nobody seems to do now. Yeah, I know. And they wanted to know what they could do to help us. They wanted to know what our talents were, and they would put you to work. So I remember one week, 
the pastor called on me and he said, Dennis, I remember you said you were an artist. We need a sign. Big sign, like 15 feet long, four feet yeah. wide, and we want lay witness mission on it, October 15th through the 25th. And he said, uh, how soon could you have that made? You know? And so I'm excited about it because now I'm promoting myself on the wall of a church. Yeah. <laughs> and so I made that sign. And then Friday night comes, and I'm thinking of going, wasn't sure. And wouldn't you know it, my wife gets a call, and her dad just died in California. Aww. Her dad, who she hadn't seen for a long time, and and even though he treated her And rude, it was right after she got saved. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, no, she hadn't gotten saved yet. Well, but but it was the the point that he had never cared much about the kids, was mean to him, and now he dies and she loves him still, and that happens with a lot of people. Yeah, they oh, yeah. still love him, so she wanted to go out there to that funeral. If I would have been her, I don't know if I would have wanted to go, but she yeah. did. So there I am by myself to make a decision. Am I going to go to that church that night or am I not? And I didn't know. It was not a pastor. It wasn't a pastor. It wasn't an evangelist. It's lay people who are giving their witness. Yeah. Testifying. So I thought, maybe I better go. And I went. I want to tell you something. It changed my life. <laughs> wow. Because I'm telling people every day now, and you guys have heard me recently, I think, your testimony is so important. Everybody's got to know that. Mm -hmm. What you say to somebody changes their whole life. When you meet Jesus and you tell other people your experience, they need to know it because they don't. You don't know. That person probably was just waiting on you to tell them that story. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me because this guy got up with his wife and started telling how his life had been miserable and they about destroyed each other and everything. But he said, you know, we found Jesus, and when we found Jesus, it turned our whole world upside down. Now we have peace with each other, we have peace with God, and Jesus Christ is our Savior. Aww. And when he said that, I could not contain myself. I started crying. Not in here, yeah. I started crying out loud, yeah. so loud, and I couldn't control it. And I just pumped out of my, jumped out of my seat and ran to that altar. Oh, don't you love those stories? And I had never been that emotional. I don't know where it come from. Yeah. I don't remember showing that much emotion. But ever since then, I've been a crying prophet. Oh. But I got saved that night, and it's never been the same. Oh. And like anybody, you have your ups and downs. Yeah. And my wife, who didn't take much for her, went on the next lay witness mission with me, where we could give her testimony. And she made a commitment to Christ. And I can't remember then for sure if she came up with me, but I gave my testimony there. And then the next one, we went and both gave our testimony. By then, we were getting fired up. Aww. See, when you know that your testimony is important to somebody, you get hungry to give your testimony. So believe me, I know your testimony. No matter what it is, it's important. Well, I do like to say our story is for God's glory. Yeah. It really is because uh, what is that word that says the testimony is the power of Jesus? What's that? G the testimony is the prophecy of Jesus or something like that. But anyways, okay. So now her father dies and she's dealing with this in her heart and she gives her life to Jesus. 
y'all's whole world had to change. And not just that, but my first thought was you was raised in a very poor home. Right. And then you start selling insurance, I imagine you started going into prosperity. Hello. You know? And so now you're living this whole new life, you know, and now you got Jesus right. on top of this. So how did that transfer over to ministry? Like what's well, the story there? God prepared you before you know it. No matter what you're doing in life, he gives you assignments which are going to prepare you for ministry before you know you're going to be used in those areas. Wow, now my mind's going back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does happen. And it doesn't happen by mistake. Yeah. And you don't have to be saved to see that happen because yeah. he'll use anybody's life. And in the future, he'll take that past life and put it together, the good in that past life. Yeah, everything works good. good. Right. Yeah. Everything works together for the yeah. good of the Lord or, you know, for the good of you. So, what happened is it didn't take long. Insurance, I didn't like insurance. And, yeah, and my it's wife, a business. And she was sure. selling insurance before we got married, and she didn't like it either. Yeah. But she had been working in an insurance company before that as a secretary. Yeah. But anyway, when we got married, I asked her just to take care of children and not to work. And when we first got married, I just wanted her to be my bride. What's the name of your show? We Are the Bride. We Are the Bride. Yeah. I wanted her to be my bride. Yeah. And so... I didn't think she needed to work. You worked a lot. Well, do you? So, I got to ask you. Do you think it helped you with the encounter that you had at your mom's funeral, where you had this revelation that you wish you would have just been a little better towards your mom, mm -hmm. and then you have a bride? I know I'm getting ready to cry myself, <laughs> but right. you know you have That's a bride, true. and it's like you know I want to be better for her. I mean, I don't know. I'm just asking. But, yeah, and you know, you have habits. I smoked. She didn't smoke. And I looked at it many times, and I thought, I don't know why she married me, because she hates the smoke, you know. And I'd pull the window down in the car and say, well, I got the window down in the car. What do you expect? You know? She hated smoking. I used but, to do that. But she put up with it. She put up with it. And it took me 40 years from age 13 to quit smoking. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm probably three, 24 years maybe smoke-free. Yeah. But I'm stuck with emphysema. Yeah. You know, my breath is slower. Yeah. It's probably affecting my health in many ways. All right. And so I tell people, if you're smoking, stop today. Don't, yeah. don't wait another day. Yeah. If you have to bite your fingers or, you know, whatever you have to do, suck your thumb. Yeah. <laughs> don't smoke. Yeah. Because it, it'll kill you eventually. But uh, the good thing is that in a short time, not liking insurance. Yeah. And she went to work for a while before the kids came. And I didn't mind that. I thought that was okay. There's no children here. And she worked for an employment agency. And one yeah. day she calls me and says, uh, you work for what? The church. Well, you worked for the church for a while, too. That's right. She worked part-time for a church. But then she got a job working for an employment agency. Yeah. And uh, she really enjoyed it, and it was right up her alley, I think. But she calls me one day. She says, I got a job that you ought to interview for. I said, really? What's that? Well, it's a sales job, but because you have art ability, they're interested in you interviewing with them. And if you go... What you know, kind of job is this? And I can get the job right where we live, pretty much. Yeah, well, what around is it? That area. Well, most people didn't know, and I didn't know, Selling yellow pages, advertising in the yellow pages, 
lot of people think, well, I figured you just got an ad or something, or, or at least right, right. ad. But no, you buy an ad in the Yellow Pages. Yeah. Businesses do. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I did. And because I was so good at art, I passed a test I had to take for the job. What? Not because I could pass the test. I passed it because they told me to go back in and get the secretary, help me with the answers so I can get the test done. Because while the guy was interviewing me, I was sitting there with an art pad and I was drawing his picture. And he said, what are you doing when I'm talking to you? And I said, well, right here, I'm drawing your picture. Dude. You're hired. <laughs> Don't pass the test. So, oh, that's how I got the that's job. awesome. I would never have got the job if I hadn't yeah. been on that picture. Yeah. So see, your talents yes. put you in a position even when you're not worthy your of the job. Your gifts would mind. make room for you. That's right. Yeah. Say that a thousand times. Yes. So, and and people cry out worrying about getting someplace. Why don't we just cry out to God and say, God, I trust you. Help me. Yeah. Because He will lead you. Yes. yes. Yeah. So anyway, that's when my life changed for prosperity because I started making good money. I got a rental, I mean, a lease car from the company. I had insurance benefits, everything. Yeah. So I went from the poor boy on the street, got out of the military, married a gal, get a good job, and it was through an employment agency that she worked for. Oh, I bet your mom was awesome. just smiling. <laughs> well, she would have, but by then she'd already died. But the point is, is that from that time on, I was learning, I had gone to a Dale Carnegie class before I went to work for them, and learned how to make people feel good about talking to you. Yeah. Because that's what Dale Carnegie was always about. Really? Oh yeah. The Dale Carnegie course, when you met somebody, you didn't just say, hi, how are you? you know, like, yeah. You said, hello, is your name June? Is that right, June? June Knight, right? Yeah. Well, Mrs. Knight, I'm Dennis McCurahan, and I'm glad to meet you. <laughs> right? Right. I made you feel good. Yeah. Because people love to hear their name. I know. Oh, I definitely know. Right. Yeah. So that is a gift. Yeah, it is. And, and Dale Carnegie gave that to millions of people in real estate and all kinds of businesses just by going to these courses. Yeah. Learning how to talk to people. Yeah. So that helped me. Then when I went to work for that company, I found out they had one of the best training programs anybody had to sell. And when I sold that insurance, I had to cold canvas the insurance. So that prepared me for yellow pages. When we sold the insurance. Everything built up. Oh, it did. Wow. When we sold the, yellow page, or sold the insurance, we had to go up and down the streets. Yeah. And we had to knock on doors at the businesses, preferably the bank first. Yeah. And we would tell them, I have a special introductory insurance offer for you that if you should die today for only six cents a week, <laughs> you'll six have cents. a $2,000 insurance policy. Wow. Now, that was a cheap policy. Yeah, see, yeah. We made it sound like it was a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. And it's handwritten right on the spot, sir. Have you got a dollar in your pocket that will start the coverage today? Wow. And they'd look at you. And I'd say, sir, do you have a dollar in your pocket? And they'd get the dollar out. And a lot of times I sold policies that way. Wow. So it was $12 a year in introductory policy. <laughs> and, That's at awesome. of, and at the end of the six months, you would qualify for a full coverage insurance policy. Yeah. But I had to learn that way. So yeah. when I went in the yellow pages, I'm already ready for it. Right, right. 
So I did quite well, and I won some of their top awards and won some top Well, tell us how you got into the show parts. Uh, okay. After having a career uh, for, what was it, for 25 years, no, 28 years at Yellow Pages. I wow, was, I was age 45. that's a long time. I was age 45, I got out of it. I went to work publishing the Christian Yellow Pages as a partner with some guys. Wow. And stayed in that five years while I was there at my church. This is the part that's fun now. Yeah. This is where this big bazooka comes in. <laughs> big horn, uh -huh. which we call a shofar. Yeah. Comes off the kudu animal, okay? Yeah. I saw a guy blow that right over the back of my head. <laughs> and when he did, I mean, I woke up. And what happened, they were burning the church debt this Sunday, and I didn't know it. And I was a leader in that church by then. Burning the church? Yeah, they're going to burn the note of a church debt. Oh, okay, all they right. They paid off this part okay, of the Okay, gotcha, yeah, yeah. One of their buildings, and they were going to burn that note in celebration. Yeah. So they knew a pastor from another church. And by this time, when I, when I was doing that, I had moved. So I had moved from Illinois I started selling Yellow Pages in Illinois, but I moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> so I'm going to a church now that's more of a Pentecostal type church. I'll yeah. say that much. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it's fired up and I'm having fun, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that particular Sunday, I didn't know what was going on, but I had a back ache like you'd never believe. And we were in a church of about 3,500 people or seated that way. Wow, it's a big one. <clears throat> and the seats went down like theater seats. Yeah. And when you got a bad back, you don't walk very far down. I bet. You don't do it. Yeah. So we sit on this balcony. And I remember when they started, I saw on the other aisle these guys that were deacons in our church carrying what looked like the Ark of the Covenant. I found out later they'd put that church note in that. And they were taking it down there symbolically. And going to wow, that's a cool idea. Yeah. So they had hired these guys, maybe, or whatever. And the other guy was right behind me. Not even three foot behind me. Yeah. Why would why would a guy blow that horn back there? I don't know, but God knew. But I was right there. And when he blew it, I heard, worship me, repent, warfare, healing. Let me tell you something. When you hear wow. all you sound, if you don't feel worship and you don't feel almost a repentance and if you don't feel warfare like wow you know it's really battle time and if you don't feel some kind of healing coming to your body maybe something's wrong <laughs> because yeah. it touched me a lot yeah but in the next breath of that and you know when god's speaking to you some people think you mean audibly or whatever god's never spoken to me audibly like dennis right now do this god always speaks that inner peace that inner voice when you know he wants you to do something, you'll hear it. And you know the difference between the devil. Because anytime the devil wants you to do something, you can better believe it ain't going to be something re really good. You know? Yeah. It might be something selfish. Yeah, right? sin. Yeah. It might some kind of sin is involved in it, if you just think about it. But, but the Lord said to me instantly, <clears throat> the same time I was hearing that and hearing those words come out of that, I heard him say, get it, learn it, teach it, and sell it. And to this day, especially on the word sell it, I'm thinking, yeah. that ain't you, God. Come on. I was into the faith enough by then. Yeah. I just didn't want to buy that. But let me tell you something. God does everything to confound the wise. He uses foolishness. These horns are foolishness. This ram's horn is foolishness. 
to the wives, to people who don't know God, but they think they know a lot. You know? Yeah. The miracle of the Red Sea. That was a miracle. Yeah. But what happened when you heard the sound? I mean, like, what did... Did it just, what did it I just do? felt it all over. I yeah. felt that I, I needed to do something about it. But then I was afraid. I didn't even tell my wife at first. So I was afraid to talk about it because I thought everybody else would think I was nuts. I waited about two months, and my daughter by then had been learning dance. She was raised, taking the dance every week by her mom and learning yeah. tap dance and all the other stuff. And so now she's in a Christian dance. And the gal that was teaching her I was love it. a lady a little bit older, maybe five years older or so, that was teaching her to dance. Yeah. Her name was Jody. Well, I knew Jody, and I had been down to the church and blew my shofar in the sanctuary when it was empty, when they were there with me, because we felt that that was a time to really experience the Lord by ourselves. And they would put their waved their flags and their banners around. Yeah. And we even collected all the Christian banners that were around the building one time, or not Christian banners, country banners, and we rolled them all together. I remember that. That was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And we laid them out there, and we I blew the shofar over them, and they danced around them. Wow. We were doing prophetic acts, didn't even think about it. Yeah. So I knew how they felt. And our pastor was a conservative pastor that would tell them, you can dance but dance around the perimeters on the sides. This Sunday, they had their shoes off. They were dancing like you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. And they were waving those little banners, and I got so caught up by it, and I'm saying, wow, that is so cool. And you know what the Lord said to me? What? In that dance. Here I'm all caught up in that, and I'm hearing the Lord now. Yeah. Dennis, they're doing exactly what I told them to do. Why don't you do what I told you to do? Wow. So what do you think I did after church? When you got so far? No, I ran. I went. I ran up to him and I said, "I, you guys, I got to tell you what happened to me today." Oh. So I told him. I said, "I'm watching you dance, and I felt like you were in perfect harmony with each other. You were in harmony with the worship of the music. The Lord was in it, and the Lord spoke to me in that. And He said, Dennis, they're doing what I told them to do. When are you going to?' Yeah." And the girl with my daughter said, and she was ready for me. This was definitely a God moment, yeah. a prophetic moment, yeah. a total turning point in my whole life. Yeah. I had never blown a horn in my life. Didn't know anything about him. That girl grabbed my wrist. She said, Mr. McCarrahan, do you know my last name? I said, no, I don't believe I've ever heard of it. She said, horn. Wow. Horn. And I'm getting a horn. Yeah. And then she said, seriously now, I have the books and I have the tapes by Dick Rubin, who is a converted Jew that blew the shofar every day at Brownsville Assembly when they started a service. No way! Uh -huh. Brownsville Revival? Oh yeah. And on Friday what? night, on Friday night when the revival opened on Father's Day, yeah. he blew the shofar and as he was blowing it, John Kirkpatrick, who was the pastor, yeah. came up and held a mic like this up to that shofar to intensify the sound. Wow. And he started wobbling around, about ready to fall. And the evangelist, Steve Hill, came running over to him to hold him up. They both fell out in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's awesome. And they stayed down. Was y'all ever able to go to Brownsville? Yes. Yes, but we went after it. My daughters, listen now, my daughters went during the revival. Yeah. And got revived. Yeah. 
we raised them in the Lord, but they had never spoken tongues. They had never right. had all that done. They got so excited to come home, and when they got home with the boyfriend, they're dancing, hollering around. I thought they went out of their head. They says, oh, Aww. we just got full of the Holy Ghost, Dad. Oh, that's so beautiful. But that's that that part awesome story. That part for me come later. Yeah. Because once I took it serious, and once Jody told me, Dennis, not only do you have the books and the tapes, you can have those. Yeah. I got a horn to loan you until you can get one. And then she looked at me as if it was Jesus Christ yeah. with piercing eyes and said, Now what's your excuse not to do it? Wow. Yeah. So then I told Betty how serious I thought this was, and for my first birthday, another gal who was a prayer missionary from the Philippines gave me a horn at least this big, and she said, now, Mr. McCarran, you can use this until you get yours. <laughs> so now I went yeah. from the horn Jody gave me like this, right. now I got another gal saying, here's a big one, and I started practicing on that thing every day. Wow. And I would practice so much, my lips would be raw right around here. Wow. Just wouldn't put it down. I was hungry for doing what God said. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine why? I mean, all I well, I can. I, in my mind, yeah. I'm still going back to your mom. Yeah. I am still thinking about that moment that you had with her when you first heard her. Yeah. Well. I mean, I mean, uh, just thinking about those moments in time. And how it just affects you the rest of your life. Like, that was the moment of, you know, the potential of your future right there. Right. You know what that moment really was for me? What? And it just now come to me. I never thought about this ever before. Remember when I said I'm a crying prophet? Yeah. Of Jeremiah? Yeah, yeah. That moment that I cried for her and asked forgiveness, that's the moment <laughs> I think I became a crying prophet. I became Aww. a crying prophet. Yeah. Because when's the next time I even think about really crying to any degree? The, the next time was when I got saved. See? All the pieces slowly come together. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Nothing happens by accident. Yeah. Nothing. Okay, so now you've been doing the show car, and now how was this ministry born? What happened? Okay, I was, uh, after I learned to blow it, I kept thinking about it that what am I going to do? And the pastor of the church, a nice young man who had taken over from his father, and, and here I, I didn't know it when I had the other pastor. His dad, I didn't know anything about the show part. Yeah. But by now, he has taken over the church. So when I heard it, I went to him and I said, Here's what happened to me. And I said, I've learned since then, I read, wrote a, read a book that this girl gave me, and it had in there the four calls of the shofar. And they were exactly what I heard that night when I heard the shofar blow over my head. Wow. I told him this, and I said, you It's like a witness this. in your soul. Oh, wow, yeah. that's amazing. Because when you read the calls of the shofar, tekiah in Hebrew is a call to worship. Yeah. Shebrim is a call to repent. Okay. Teruah is battle, a war, warfare cry. And the last one, tekiah again, but tekiah gedola. Gedola means big, long blast. 
So worship blast long. See, that's the great blast. That means the return of the Lord. When you blow that, you're calling out the return of the Lord. Please, Lord, come. That's the one that in the Telmad, the Jewish Telmad, it talks about it. And it says that in there, it's talking about when they, when you attend the Jewish wedding, the tradition then mm -hmm. of a Jewish wedding, they didn't call for the bride to come through and do all the honor to her. Yeah. They would have the bride, um, they would have the bride uh, come out, or the bridesmaids come out, I'm sorry, and then the bridesmaids would call out, the bridegroom cometh, and blow the shofars. What? The bride and then he comes. And then he comes out with the bride, however they did. But here's the wow. key to that. Get it? The bridegroom yes. cometh, mm -hmm. blow the shofar. The bridegroom is Jesus Christ coming, and they've been oh, doing yes. this for years, preparing for it. Right. See, Rosh Hashanah is coming tomorrow. Yes. And it's going to be for three days, all the way through the first. And when that comes... That is the symbol that they blow that shofar 100 times during that time because they believe that if you don't blow it the first of the year, by the end of the year, the devil will take over your house because you didn't confound him. He's the enemy. That shofar is the voice of God mm -hmm. that confounds the enemy. It opens the heavens. Yeah. It breaks out doors. I mean, it changes stuff in yeah. the atmosphere. So the neat thing about that wedding part that I learned there is the fact that is a description of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. coming back, Yeshua, yeah. the Messiah. Well, when back. you talk about like breaking the atmosphere, when we did the march yesterday when we was at the White House, mm -hmm. and we did that march, uh, you had your team there, and they blew the shofar. We knew there in the spirit that we was breaking like the sound barrier in the atmosphere because it's a weapon. Yes. You know, I consider the shofar a weapon of war. Yes. And so, because we know the word, just the very foundation of the Christian walk is that our battle is not flesh and blood. Right. When we mature as the sons and daughters of God, we understand where our real warfare is. It's not with each other, it's with the Brent's battle. So, yes. when you take a shofar, I kind of, now please tell me if I'm missing it a little bit, but I'm learning you know, like a child, but uh, the shofar really is kind of like speaking in tongues because when we speak in tongues, it's a beautiful language to God and it's a, a language that he gives each human and it's personal, you know, and that's why it's meant for us to have it because it says that our spirit groans, you know, we're able to communicate to God and, and say whatever he wants. So, and that's breaking a sound barrier, yes. you know, that's because right. it's a warfare tactic. But when you're blowing the shofar, I think it's a combination of both. Because you're taking like, your, your, your lungs are trees, you know, and you're partnering with nature, which is the horn. And then you're partnering with the breath of God. I mean, I just see it as a transference of warfare. You know, it's like oh, the it battle is. cry. It is. So it's, it's releasing another frequency. Right. I mean, am I right? Like, it's a well, warfare? It is. it is. It's warfare. Or it's, what? I call that a bazooka. And I call the ram's horn my six-shooter because I look at him as a spiritual weapon. <laughs> I get it now. And, and they're killing. They're killing. Yeah, I they're get it. They're killing bad things. Yeah. And they're raising up the good. Right. 
And when people are down and out and they don't feel good and they come into a church and the church honors the shofar properly, yeah, and they give us a few minutes to teach it, which you should, yeah, you know, I've had people tell me, you guys are the first ones that ever come into a church and told me what it was about, why you blew them. Why don't they do that? And I said, I don't know, but God told me I had to. Yeah. And if I don't have two to four minutes to teach you enough about it before I blow it, then I feel like we're wasting time because mm -hmm. a lot of people in your churches, they don't know what it's about. Yeah. But when you understand it's the voice of God, when you understand God blew the first shofar, God's going to blow the last shofar. And it's not going to be a physical horn from an animal. It's going to be his mouth. Yeah. Because when God created the whole world, he created it by his mouth. He spoke it into existence. Yeah. When he when he sounds the shofar in the clouds before he gave the law to Moses, he sounded it with his mouth. And he says in Isaiah 58, 1, you, each one of us, yeah. are to stand firm right now today, more than ever. Stand firm and cry out and use our voice like a shofar. If that's not an indication to you, <laughs> I don't know what is. Yeah. If that's not an indication that that shofar is the voice of God. So how did you start it, though? Did you just like start teaching people the shofar? I just you, slowly, I slowly wanted other people to know. And what I did is I called Dick Rubin's office. Yeah. The very guy that I learned from. Right, quick. right. And I didn't get to talk to him, but I talked to a guy by the name of Scott Brown. And now he don't sell them. Now he's not even in it because he's yeah. older, a lot older than me. Yeah. He has health issues. God bless him. Yeah. But at that time, I said, look, God's called me into this. i got to tell you what happened. I told the guy, yeah, he said, yeah. oh, man, said, that's cool. And I said, <laughs> what will you do for me? I want to buy three of them at least. Yeah. And I said, I'm not rich, but I, I just think i got to try them out. I don't know what I really want. So he, he sold me one that was polished, all polished, shiny. Yeah. One that was half and half, like this one's half and half. This is my newest. Can I touch part. it? Yeah. This is half and half. It's half polished. It is. Half yeah. natural. Yeah. Then he sold me one that was all natural. Okay. And so I start blowing them and trying to figure out which one I like, and I ended up liking the one that was half and half. Yeah. And a guy at church, when I had a chance to go into a study group, this is another story I got to tell you, though, in a yeah. minute right away. I'm in a different church by now, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, that guy said, can you show me how to blow that? And I showed him how to blow it, and he bought it off of me. So he bought my first all-natural shofar. Oh. This kicks things off. Yeah. And then the next thing I know, my daughter's getting interested in it, so I said, I'll just give you the other one. Yeah. She was blowing it, so I gave her the third one. So now i got three people blowing it, and now I'm getting other people interested in my own church, my own friendship, yeah. my own circles. And I wasn't planning on making some big thing out of right, it, but right. God had told me, what did he tell me? He said, you're going to learn it, yeah. you're going to teach it, and you're going to sell it. Right. And then let me backtrack for a minute, because I'm not in that same church where I learned and heard this call of my life. Right, right, right. Because I asked this young pastor, and you young pastors... Young leaders, you need to know this, worship leaders, it's a mistake to think this is not as valuable today as it was in the time when you hear Gideon's story, when you hear Joshua fought the battle of Jericho or something. God didn't change. We've changed things. God never changed. Mm -hmm. He didn't change the meaning of it. He didn't change it at all. He didn't change 
be excuse me, but I gotta say it. He he did not excuse us from the Sabbath. He did not excuse us from the feast days. Mm-hmm. We excused ourselves. We listened to one of the denominations who was big in the, in the religion that we believe in. Change yeah. everything, and they did. They changed a lot, and we've been following. Yeah. But God didn't, and God didn't change blowing the shofar. So well, to me, the shofar, besides even doctrine, yeah. the shofar is, to me, a very natural instrument. I mean, it's just... There's no there's no Yeah, there's I mean, there's no reason to not yeah. want to just use God's instrument. Or you would think. I mean, there's no... To me, there's no doctrine yeah. question. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. not even... Right. Uh, but go ahead and tell yeah. us... So you just began going ahead and teaching people, yeah. and it just blew up to where it is today. Right. And today. I'll tell you a few things, but let me tell you before yeah. that, because I forgot part of it, and I need to tell you. Whenever that young pastor heard my story, he told me, you bring it every week, and I'll let you know when you can blow it. And after about probably 10 weeks, 12 weeks or more, my wife and I both decided they're changing everything anyway. They stopped having a choir in that church, and now they got worship leaders and stuff. They're changing so much for us older people especially. And we just decided that's it. And we didn't tell anybody. We just dismissed ourselves. And so we're thinking about where we're going to go to church and we let some friends know pray for us. And one couple said, you need to come and visit this church. It was a Pentecostal church. Yeah. And so we waited and one Sunday, boy, I heard the Lord so clearly say, call them up, tell them you meet them. And I did. This is all God again, how he works, right? Yeah. Perfect timing. Yeah. I could have walked into a dozen, maybe 100, 200 churches in the region, and they would have just said, oh, fine, come on in, and not said another word. This pastor, a young North Carolina boy that had been up here for quite a while teaching in a little church, got this assignment on this big church. And when he got that assignment, is that blinking for some reason? That's what I'm wondering about my time. Hold on, Brad. Okay. We're going to hold for Yeah, time. hold on just a second. No, you tell the story, and I'm going to plug it up so okay, it is. All right. Anyway, this pastor met us at the door and greeted us. And when he saw I had that shofar right around my arm, it. he said, are you anointed to blow that? That's the words he said. And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> and so he said, today and whenever you're here, when you feel God tell you to blow that, you blow it. And I just started coming there. My wife and I enjoyed it. We enjoyed the preaching. We enjoyed the, they had a choir. Uh, we enjoyed uh, working with the, the uh, different groups in the church. And I started getting involved in it. And I learned more people were interested in the shofar. And so from there, the shofar ministry started building enough that a guy came to that church and he was having a prayer across America group. That stopped blinking. Good. Yes. Thank he'd, you. He come across the. Um, uh, or he come to our church, and he was there to tell about it. And when he told about it, he saw my shofar. Yeah. But he didn't say anything about it until I get home, and he called me on the phone. Yeah. And he said, Dennis, you know, you took a bunch of those pamphlets. You said your interest in what we're doing, right? And and they're going to go to each city for one year. Get this and get what God's doing now later when I tell you. Yeah. You're going to see the tie in all of it. Yeah. But he said, we're going to go to every state capital for one year. 
and pray what? at the steps. What year is this? That was, oh man, 12 years ago, 14 years ago. Before oh, Obama? 14, oh yeah, yeah, way before Obama. Before yeah, way Bush? Way before Obama, before Bush, yeah. Probably wow. Reagan days or something. But anyway, he said, would you get a shofar blower, at least one, to be at every state capitol, every Thursday, but we're in a different state, because we already knew where he was going, he'd give us a pamphlet. Yeah. And I said, hmm. I said, I don't know shofar blowers in all those states. <laughs> and I said, I could find out. I bet out. you didn't, yeah. And the reason I could find out is because I've been used to cold canvassing. I know how to find people. Wow. I'm a medical detective. Yeah. <laughs> you want a private eye? <laughs> really, I mean, it, it was easy because yeah. all you do is start calling churches out of the phone book. Really? And remember I sold yellow pages? Yes, yes. You just start calling churches. They're in the yellow pages, so they're all in one list. I'd call a church and say, hey, do you know anybody that blows a shofar? And I didn't ask the pastor. Ask the secretary. Yes. She knows everything. Yeah. So I asked the secretary, and they used to say, well, our church don't, but we know a church down the street we think does. They'd give me the name, and I'd call that. Oh, yeah, we got a few of them. Wow. And then I would talk to them, and I'd say, look, can you come and blow the shofar for us when they get in your state? Right? Wow. And I'd usually start with the state capitol because I figured, well, now they don't have to travel to yeah. get there to blow the shofar. Yeah. And I always found them. And where we didn't, I think it was one one state, I can't remember what it was, we didn't find one. So they played the music of the shofar. <laughs> that was funny. Uh -huh. But they found one in Alaska, they found one in Hawaii. I mean, it was amazing. Yes. We got shofar blowers. Well, what do you think happens? I'm what? getting him shofar blowers. Well, what do you think they're going to become? My team. Yeah. I was building a team and didn't know it. Wow. Because I was honoring That's amazing. God. I was yes. helping somebody else and honoring God. Yeah. Building a team. Yeah. Anybody today that thinks it's really easy to build a team like this, you got to be out of your mind. It's not easy if you do it on your own. Yeah. But if God calls you and He anoints you to do something like this, yeah. Don't worry about it. You just do it every day. Step out. Right? Yeah. And when you step out, he will open doors that you couldn't find and you couldn't go through. And that's what he was doing. So I built the team there. Then people started hearing about us. So then I had a chance to take him at the end of that year to D.C. Right? What? Worked in D.C. No way. And my pastor let me have one of their guys that drove a bus, bring that bus to D.C. We filled it up with dancers, flaggers. Wow. blue shofars. And right on the west line of the Capitol, underneath the tree, we set up our stage. And we blew the shofars and we danced and we worshiped God. Wow. And it was awesome. So now I built up an army from Florida, Texas. Uh, oh my, one was from uh, Wisconsin. There was a few from Pennsylvania. And different people knew him through his prayer organization. Mm -hmm. Not everybody I knew. Yeah. And now we're all in D.C. So now this word spreads even greater. Yeah. So then new opportunities kept coming. And one, just a few of the big ones that really caterpillar this thing. Yeah. The next thing they're saying, some gal just called and said she wants you to help her get 300 Gideon Army shofar board men to come to... Titan, 
Stadium in Tennessee. <laughs> right where you're from. No way for the call. Oh, yeah. I was there. Yes. I My was daughter there. was on the platform. She was supposed to be one of the speakers mm. with Lou Engle. Yeah. Yeah, she... Uh, did, you they have, had, did you see me blowing the show fire? <laughs> I probably did. I'm telling you, I was right there. Betty was there with me. That was really a profound. My daughter was there. My granddaughter was there. Profound event. Yeah. 07, 07, 07. But I helped yeah, them together. Yeah. Now, here's how cool my God is. <laughs> he is so How awful. God blew this up is so funny. I didn't blow it up. He blew yeah, it up. Because yeah. I'm this little guy trying. Yeah. But all of a sudden. I asked him when it's over. I said, now I know I helped get some of them. I didn't get them all. Yeah. I helped get some of them. I still credit a gal named Ellen Day, who lives in North Carolina, for getting the most of them of anybody. Yeah. Come. And they wanted all men to blow the show for her. And yeah. there was this lady getting most of the guys. <laughs> yeah. And so when I, at the end of it, I asked the guy in charge, uh, uh, Miles uh, Albright, his name Miles, I know that. And he was doing this for the guy that was a grand old opera preacher down there. You know who that was? Yes. Go ahead, say his name. Come on, help Snow, me. Jimmy Snow. No, 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 no. It wasn't Jimmy Snow, he's right no. there in there. Denise is his wife, and I can't say his name. Uh -uh. That's all right, it don't matter. Yeah, Jimmy Snow. This guy's a nice guy, though. But anyway, that guy had this vision of doing it. But the guy that was getting the chauffeur blowers together, Miles Albright, that was his okay. name. Miles, I said, Miles. What are you going to do with all those leads you got? I know you had a lot of people want to blow the shofar. What did you do with them? He says, I don't know. I don't know what to do with them. I said, I do. <laughs> I said, uh -huh. I'm trying to build a shofar army here, and it's been yeah. hard to do. I said, would you give them to me? Oh, yeah, I'll send them to you tonight. I started watching my computer. And blink, 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 wow. blink, blink, blink. Coming through like mad, all these names, emails. Yeah. And there was women on there, the old people, young people. Aww. And and then when I would call them up, and I called them for a year, I was calling them. When ah. I'd call them up, I drove her nuts because I wasn't doing my other work. But I'd call them up, and I remember that some of the women would say, yeah, doggone, they wouldn't let us women blow, but we blew from up there. <laughs> <laughs> How dare them up there. How dare them, right. <laughs> but I had 500 and some leads. And by the time that year was over, I had more shofar blowers because they knew a shofar blower. Yeah. And they knew five, and this person knew two. I three. bet. And they were coming on like flies. And the women came on board faster than the men. I Here's bet. the problem we have. Men, you're too full of pride. we got to break wow. the pride. Pride comes from the devil. There's only three sins in life, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and pride. Men are very prideful. Mm -hmm. And I was there, so I yeah. know. But they think they can do this on their own, and they don't understand the power of being a, a shofar team. God told me to raise an army. Later on, he put me before 15 prophets that anointed me and said I was to be an apostle of shofar call. Wow. And that I was to take this army to the world. I stood in a church in, in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'll never forget it. There was a prophetic guy from... Uh, Korea, who was speaking, and he came up to me. When he came up to me, he talked to everybody else, but he came yeah. up to me. And he went like this. He went, doo -doo -doo, and he said, you, man of God, you take Shofar to the world. Wow. And the minute he said it, I just, 
I bet. I did. I could not stand up under, uh-huh. under the power. Yeah. Because it was God. He didn't touch me. Yeah. But I seen other people going down that aisle, and whether you believe it or not, folks, I seen them. I seen them throwing up, spitting out stuff in their mouth, because they something was wrong. They had something in their heart. Yeah. And when that man who was anointed by God from Korea, yeah, would look at you in the eye and say, "Ooh, you got a devil in you," right now, come out. Yeah. People really were being touched. Yeah. But when he come to me, it was <laughs> you take your heart to the world. Yeah. I'm saying, oh yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> I've been trying for several years. Yeah. <laughs> but see, those are things that you couldn't create. Right. Nobody can create that. Don't try to be Dennis. Don't try to be Dr. Jim. Be yourself. Yeah. But you will find if you just trust God and you keep working at it. Right? He keeps putting stuff. He adds people to you. He keeps bringing you new resources. And the shofar became important for me to sell because the way our ministry exists, folks, I'm retired. My wife's retired now. Yeah. We got Social Security, but whoever said that was enough. Yeah, yeah. But we and I got a small retirement check. But where I'm where I'm able to travel and do the ministry, I have to sell the shofar. Yeah. So we sell the shofars, we sell tallits and other items. Well, I'm not going to ask you tonight to teach us about it because okay. we had the whole teaching last night, which right. when I do put all this together, it will all be together sure. for a big, long thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I would like for you to do right now is, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to look. Now let me remind you again, uh, you have a lot of viewers on yours I saw when I walked mm-hmm. by. If y'all have any questions on Shofar Call International, please just put your question down there underneath in the comments. If you're on mine, if you would please send me a private message because mine's on my personal one. Uh, He would be happy to answer your questions. I know last night we had a lot of people uh, answer your questions, so let me see here. Here, Let me say one thing, too. Yes, sir. I need to get this in. Go ahead. If you don't get to see it anywhere else, you can go to my website anytime. And it's all on there. All the teaching yeah, is on there. About that, yeah. I don't have to teach on here. It's right. on there. Okay. We've got website casting on there from YouTube, which I don't suggest you go on to YouTube. But we've got uh, several videos. We've got a lot of in writing. What I learned from Dick Rubin and Art Finkel, an Orthodox Jew. And it's a whole teaching page. So go to shofarcall.com. S-H-O-F-A-R. It's not chauffeur. That's a driver. <laughs> It's shofar, that is so show funny good. When you say you said shofar, show good. You remember how I said shofar. dot com, shofarcall.com. So s h o f a r, call c a l l. dot com. Look down the left hand side, and you'll see on there an entire menu. And in that menu, the teaching is really important to learn how to blow the shofar, learn why to blow the shofar, who blows the shofar, right? Where to blow the shofar. How to clean a shofar, and if you buy a stinky one from Israel, you'll be cleaning it. And, and seriously, a lot of times that's true. Uh, but if you want to buy a good shofar, we make sure they blow easy. We make sure they don't stink bad. If they did stink, we know how to clean them. And then last is on there, you're going to find out on Shofar Call that you're going to see a whole lot of other resources that are helpful. And you're going to find one of the tabs say, Join to Stay Connected. I can't ask you enough how important it is for prayer people, anybody, an intercessor, a house of prayer. 
anybody that really believes in dance and flagging being a part of the ministry of today's churches, go there and join because when you join, we stay connected with one another across the United States and other countries so that when we are having gatherings, we can all find each other quickly. And many people have told me from other countries even, they say, well, I know 50 shofar brewers. I know 100 shofar brewers. And I say, get them signed up. And they say, oh, no, I can take care of it. Well, let me tell you something. If you've got 10 dancers and you die tomorrow, you got 20 flaggers that work together and you die tomorrow, or you got 50 shofar brewers, if you die tomorrow, we're not going to be able to contact them. And you don't want that to happen, do you? Right? <laughs> right. So that's important. There we go. But anyway, God bless I was you. just checking to make sure you had some. I do have right. a couple of questions. Okay, and I've got something to give you, too. Okay, and I have something to give you, too. <laughs> okay, uh, this one lady asked, and I, I'm assuming uh -huh. it's because of what you said about uh, Lou Ingalls being only one in men. Mm -hmm. So I guess she's a concerned woman. So she says... Um, can you ask Dennis if he thinks there would be any reason God would not allow a woman to blow the shofar? What about a person that is divorced? Since my own divorce, I really have come to appreciate Jesus' response to the lady at the well. I wish things had been different, but it was what it was. So 30 years down the toilet. It is heartbreaking to know <coughs> I, no, I wasn't more important then. So can you ask him if for any reason God would not want a woman to blow the shofar and what about a divorced person? There's no reason. And <laughs> if God, you know, I get emotional over that because if God don't forgive you, if God don't forgive a divorced person, he's not gonna he's not gonna forgive me. Right? Mm -hmm. And the other thing about it, why shouldn't a woman be able to blow the shofar? Can a woman play the piano? Can she sing in the choir? Can she use other instruments? Yes. The Jewish faith is not the Christian faith. The Jewish faith has made mistakes along the way, and many times in the Old Testament, God punished them for that. They're still under a problem. they got a problem right now because until they come to the Messiah, the Jewish carpenter, they're not going to get to heaven. There's only one way to get to heaven, and it's through their own Jewish carpenter, the Messiah. Yeshua. So, if that's the case, they were wrong. They're wrong about the prayer shawl only being worn by men. They're wrong about a shofar only being blown by men. A lot of that stuff is man-made tradition. Like every other religion in the world has a lot of man-made stuff in it. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and when I say Jesus Christ, that His name is Yeshua, we've used Jesus for about 400 years now. But if Yeshua, the Messiah, said, if you believe in me, then you will have a place in heaven. That means everybody, men, women, children, whoever. And if you feel anointed, don't just blow a shofar to blow it. It's not a toy. Don't give it to your kids to blow for the fun of it. But if you feel anointed and you want to learn to blow it, we have people in every state somewhere that can help you. Go on our website and we'll help you. And you can blow the shofar. Got it? So anybody that answers that a divorced person i think i answered it didn't they yeah they, i, I think they anything. was just asking because of that one event where they just i mean yeah. is there a reason they only wanted just me yeah. and it hurt me when when you say that not because of what you said honey it hurt because i feel sorry for you 
that they make you feel that way. Just because you're a divorced person, you're important to the kingdom. You got gifts. We need you. <laughs> right. Where did you put your live program? Under a shofar call. That's what I thought. I didn't see it. I was looking. Yeah. It's shofar call international, right? No, no. It's shofar call on Facebook. Oh, there's a set. There's two yeah. separate. Oh, there's all kinds of them. Yeah. Shofar call. I have seven Facebook pages. <laughs> That's why. There we are. Okay. I just wanted to look on there and see if there's any questions. The one we're on right now is where most of our team connects. There's about 2,400. I got you, yeah. That's where they'll connect with the most. So that's yeah, one of them said this is a fun interview. Fun is good. <laughs> we want okay. to be fun. God is fun. <laughs> yes, amen. Okay, now that's all the questions that I see so far. So. I just want to thank you, sir, for being on the broadcast today and for being in my house. And when you came here, I left you my life story. Yes. Because I don't, uh, we don't know each other enough yet, and I wanted to get to know you, so I wanted to give you my book publicly. Thank you. I did sign it so that, you know, y'all can get to know me a little bit. Yeah, I love this book. My My wife is a good reader. And she has read all the way through in just a few days to the last chapter or two. And it's uh, We Are the Bride, The Testimony of a Broken Bride, Jesus is My Husband. And if you have hurt, (laughs) nobody's been hurt more than she has. And she's turning around. And she has really done a lot to prove it don't matter who you are, what's happened to you, you have a story to tell, and somebody else needs to hear it. Well, you know, That's when I sure. first met her, and yeah. I sat down at the table, she looks at me, and she goes, I just can't believe you've been married that many times. <laughs> yeah. I said, I know. I said, just wait till you get to the end of yeah. the book. <laughs> and we're going to put on, on my page, we're going to put her book up, a picture of it, we're going to put how you can get that book from her, okay? Oh, so, thank you. That's a good thing. There is one more question, then we'll move on here. Okay. Okay, this one says, we met at the rally. So this is somebody that came to the rally and met y'all. We met at the rally, but I've never blown a shofar. But would like to have one for personal use. Which one would you suggest for a person to buy? How often should one blow the shofar? And do you do it before spending time with the Lord? And I try to take communion daily. Would you do it then? We met yesterday at the rally. And also, <coughs> what size was the big Christian flags you guys were flying yesterday? That was a three by five, the flag. And that comes from U.S. Christian flags. Just do a search, U.S. Christian flags. And that is an anointed flag that truly is the United States Christian flag. The Christian flag that we know in the world has been used by the Crusaders, and unfortunately some people have been hurt terribly by that flag. Yeah. You ain't gonna get hurt by this flag. Yeah. You know, you've seen it. Those that haven't, just go to her website and you'll hear about it, okay? But, um... Now, the first question was, how do they know, like, what to buy? How do you know what what to buy? What would be their taste? Is it a female? Yes. Okay, if it's a female. Uh, A woman, a lot of times, wants a lighter horn. She don't want a heavy, this is a heavy horn, it's very big. And if you're petite, it's probably way too big for you. You don't need a big horn. But you can buy a kudu that's about 36 or 30 inches that's not as heavy, 
and it would be all polished perhaps, which lightens it a lot. They still sound similar. The one that's all polished might be a little higher pitch, but it still blows pretty good. Yeah. And uh, the main thing you want to know is if you buy it from me, which I appreciate, I am a Christian, I am a believer, and you're going to help our ministry grow. And when you join our team, where it says at the bottom, if you want to donate now, when you buy one, we don't want you to donate. That's the same as donating. Yeah. Buy the horn. And when you buy that horn, anytime after that, and after you join, you'll get 10% off of anything else you ever purchase. Wow, that's awesome. So we do that automatically. And from time to time, you get a little more off. But it's not how much you can get off. It's how much you can learn to blow the right horn, right? So the way you know to blow the right horn, do you feel comfortable, number one, carrying something fairly large, sticking up like this, blowing it publicly? Well, can I try it now? I'm yeah. a person that right. I'm not going to blow anything because I got lipstick on, but I'm just no, saying no, no. just that no, whole... no, blow into it, please. No, I don't care about your lipstick. Oh, you don't? No. It ain't going to hurt me. I was just going to hold it. Is I it never poison or anything? <laughs> no. Nah. No. Anyway, buzz your lips. Let me see you buzz your lips. <laughs> Everybody can buzz your lips. No, like it's the way you kiss a little baby and you get a different no, no, raspberry no, no. on her belly. Easy. You can do that with your hand if you want. Like you're a baby. You know, we've all done that. Okay, that's that's enough. Like okay, a baby. That's enough. Okay, if you if you simply pucker just a little bit okay. and blow, all that air needs to go in that hole, right? It okay. has to touch all the way around on here. Your lip has to touch the whole thing. So that all the air is going in that hole. So think about it when you're doing it. See, you have to peep at it. Wow, you made that much noise. We just no, just barely, yeah, you just barely blow. You just barely blow, and you're gonna get a nice sound. See, so the sample of that again. Let me do it. I just barely blew. Wow. Now if I blow loud, it goes up higher. If I blow too loud, it's gonna squeal. You don't want that. See, people tell you it's hard to blow. It's not hard to blow. You've got to make sure your lip is touching the whole thing and you're puckered. Well, it doesn't matter, like, the size of the hole? Somewhat. The littler hole means you're, you're probably using more of a professional mouthpiece because it takes more effort to learn to blow that. It's harder to get it all in that little hole. Uh, the bigger hole, you're going to get a deeper sound usually when you're blowing and it's going to be harder to get more than two notes. The tighter the hole, you might get five or six notes. Wow. Yeah, when it's a longer horn. Yeah. So, but what you care about when you buy one, I want to get one, I know I can get at least two notes because that's the calls of the shofar in general. That's what most people, they never get past two notes, most people. Yeah. See, but you want it to be easy to blow, you want it to be comfortable, and if you're petite, some little gal carrying this great big horn, you're going to look kind of weird. You know? So if you want a great big horn, fine. But you get the biggest horn on our website, it's around 300 bucks. But this a horn one, like this, a kudu, yeah. uh, these animals kind of look like deer. Yes. Right. I mean, you, when you look at them, you wonder, how can they walk around with such big horns? Well, they're a big animal. Like yeah. a deer has antlers. A male, it's the male deer has antlers, the male kudu has the horn. Like oh. These horns are hollow. Inside it, when it's on the animal, it literally is full of blood and 
whatever else, you know, veins wow. and everything coming clear up into about almost to the top of it. Wow. Yeah. They cut it off, they drill a hole through it, they clean the guts out, clean up the horn, and ready to go. See? Wow. But, now, another thing, some women would prefer something more pocket size. We've got them as low as $68. That's maybe, probably, maybe about that long, 8 to 10 inches long. Yeah. They blow, but it's going to be a higher pitch sound. Yeah. One note, normally. So, really, it kind of depends on you. If you are not sure, if you call my office and leave a message or text me on that phone number, yeah. that might be a good way to do it. You go to shofarcall.com, our phone number is at the bottom of every page. You call or text and leave a message and say, could you call me? This is the best time for me to reach you. See? So the only way that they really need to decide which one they want is like just really, how big a one do you want? How big it's really just How size. much do you want to spend? The big, do they make different sounds? Like, is they there, all are a little different tone anyway. Just like if you put 10 people next to each other yeah. and they all weighed the same, they were all the same height, it yeah. wouldn't matter. When they talk, their sound is a little different. Right. The horn is no different. The horn has got so many attributes, it's kind of like you and I. Yeah. There's no two horns alike. None of wow. them. Wow. The same horn on the same animal is going to be a little different. Because God wow. don't make more than one thing yeah. the same. God he makes everything did. separate, right? Yeah. Another thing that's clever, she didn't ask this question, but when you get one and you look at it, it's made up of a bunch of little hairlines. Those hairlines are the same thing your fingernails made of. That's what it is. Wow. Yeah. So it starts out off with a little uh, male ram, and that horn's going to be just fairly sticking out of their head, right? Little yeah. horn, see that, and it's going to get bigger as the horn. The animal gets bigger, the horn gets bigger. Wow. Yeah. Okay, and so that was the first so question. That I hope I answered your question, but she can call us and we'll help her with the yeah. order. But remember, it's how much you want to spend, too. And then her next question is, is how often should a person blow? I think you got to let be led by the Lord. There's certain times we don't want you to blow because we don't believe it would honor the Lord. Really? If, yeah. If you like are, what? well, if you're in a church service and you get goosebumps and you think blow the horn, yeah, that may not be in order because if you're drowning out somebody singing or a preacher preaching, that wouldn't be very nice. Yeah. You wouldn't want somebody that has drums sitting up there and he's getting goosebumps because oh I like what he said and start beating the drums. Yeah. Or somebody with a tambourine, you like what they said to you, you start rattling the tambourine. And I know there are churches that accept that, and there might be some Messianic congregations that accept it. I don't. On our team, I believe we must teach. We are an army of the Lord. We need to be disciplined and understand. Our feelings are not always right or wrong. But the fact is, when you abuse the time of someone else, when they are being honored by God to speak. Oh, yeah. See, that's not that's good. That's true. And preachers won't like it. Usually. Because the way I look at it, it's like this. When somebody is anointed, they're the leader. And they're the one up there speaking. They're the ones that God has anointed. And if you release a sound in opposition to that, then that's not... Or even if it's not in opposition, it's just overbearing. Yeah, that's uh, The thing is, is when you think that God told you to, and I've had many times they've told me this. Well, God told me to. Yeah. I say, no, God didn't tell you to. Oh, yes, he did. I say, 
why would God tell you to, and he told me not to, and that pastor assigned me over the shofars today. Wow. I'm called by that pastor to follow his suit and yeah. do what he said. Yeah, it's all about honor and, and yes. order of right. things. And if you're in the military, I've got a friend sitting here right now, he knows. When you're in the military, you do what they tell you. So okay, the next question feel. is, do you do it before you spend time with God? Like, is this a part of your morning routine, or is it just like a special occasion? That's a choice you make. So it really is up to just the person It's a choice. See, somebody can tell me, well, I have to pray before I blow this. Well, maybe you do, and I don't. Am I wrong? No. Are you wrong? No. Hmm. I'm. See, when, when the Holy Spirit lives in me, I don't know if everybody always gets that. Yeah. We don't teach it enough. Right. The Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost came to stay in every believer. Right. I have the Holy Spirit with me all the time. If I get mad and say something I shouldn't say, the Holy Spirit don't leave. He's still there. And when I get ready to blow this horn, whether the whether I'm talking to the Holy Spirit or I lift it up and blow it, I am full of the Holy Spirit. Right? Yeah. If I'm saved, I am full of the Holy Spirit. And if I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, which I do, and the fullness of the Spirit, it's even more so that way. Yeah. I, I just believe that I'm anointed to blow the shofar for different reasons. Now, can so, the small one, uh, can it do the four sounds? Yes. And the big one can do the yes. four. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you can use it on the That 68-dollar horn sold tonight, <laughs> $10 yeah. off. No, we always give you 10% off if you yeah. join, if you're a member. But that horn will get all four of the calls of the shofar. Wow. And that little horn will make a cry on a ram's horn that you can't even make quite the same on the big kudu horn. Yeah. Because the ram's horn has a higher pitched note. And I have blown that at a, a college meeting with 25 people and the judge of the county was there leading it. And he asked me to blow the shofar over him and teach it. And I had never done a cry before on the shofar. I had taught about yeah. the cry. But I'd teach him, I'd say Abraham was supposed to sacrifice Isaac, he thought. But then God provided a ram caught in a bush. How do you think that ram would have sounded caught in that bush? And that ram became important, didn't it? Oh, no, it makes no it kept, yeah. it But here's how that ram would have sounded. Until we cry together. Oh. We're supposed to cry out. We're yeah. supposed to be on our face before God. We need to cry out. Yeah. So use it in prayer meetings to cry out. Use it to open prayer meetings. The ram's horn is an important horn. It was a first known instrument to man far longer before the big kudu came along. Yeah. Many Jews, especially Orthodox, will still try to tell you this is the horn to blow. The only mistake wow. they, yeah, the only mistake they make that I don't like at all is they'll tell you to blow it over here on the side of your mouth because it's like a cigar. It's, it's <laughs> not, and it's not good. Yeah. Here's, here's the reason. I can get that out of it, right? Yeah. I can't get the cry out of it, can I? Right. Over here. See? 
I have more opportunity with my lip in the middle of my mouth. And, and I told a few rabbis, I said, sir, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Oh, no, I'm not wrong. I said, give me a trumpet. You got a trumpet around here? A trumpet mouthpiece? Yeah. Man -made trumpet? You ever see a trumpet player blow his trumpet over here? No. <laughs> why? Why, why would you That's blow a good point. See? Yeah. Blow it from the front. If you've never learned to blow it from the front, change it and get it to the front. Yeah. I guarantee you. I've been around thousands of people now blowing shofars. I've so talked over and over. This horn here, actually, this is like the color of the actual horn. This well, is not they're all a little different. Every horn is a little different. But it's not paint or anything. This no, is like this a is natural. natural. This has been polished a little bit. This one. Yeah. See, this one here. On this side of it, because on this, yeah, you can feel yeah. the ridge. This is that way too before it's polished. Wow. This has been polished like this side of the horn has been. Yeah, more polished. I like the way this is with the ridge there. Yeah. I think that's yeah. neat. And and that's just like a spine to the horn almost. That's just part of it. Wow. But here's another thing: don't let somebody fool you. Do not, do not, do not. Please do not paint these horns. Please do not put silver on them because you're adding your talent, man's talent, to what God made for God's purpose. Do you think God likes that? I don't. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it is a natural animal. It's a Right. And, and here's the other reason. Purpose. For my benefit, here's the other reason. I hope you all respect this. If I have 10 shofar blowers lined up, or 50, I've had... 50, I've had 80, I've had 100 in a line, straight line almost. Yeah. I line you up to blow a shofar, and we're going to do those four traditional calls of the shofar, and I'm having you get ready to blow. you got lights coming at you. Now, one guy has silver on his shofar, right? That silver is going to reflect from those lights. That's going to make people look over at that horn. Yeah. Or they just see the silver and say, isn't that pretty? Or you paint the horn. And maybe you got uh, Jerusalem on it, or or Jesus reigns, or Yeshua, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It might look pretty to you, but God's not looking for pretty. God is looking for the sound coming out of that horn. And when you do that, and people are out there, some people are going to be distracted by your horn away from what they need to hear. They need to hear this crisp, clear sound. And the Bible says that when you blow it, it must be a clear, crisp sound. Do not blow shofars and have music playing in the background when you're starting to do the four calls. Wow. Because you want to hear the clear, crisp sound of the shofar. You want to hear the voice of God. Now, granted, at the end, when you're ending, and you're going to go into maybe a shout or praise and that, sure, you start your music up maybe. But when you're blowing this, let it be God's voice being heard. Can I tell them how important that is by doing yeah. it? Yeah. I want you all to listen carefully. Close your eyes if you can. If you don't close your eyes, it's okay. And then imagine this same sound being done, and they got music in the background, drums playing something else. Right. It's not an orchestra instrument. It's an instrument to call you to worship, repent, show up for battle, spiritual battle, get ready for the Lord's return, right? Yeah. So here we go.
get you to sing along with Elvis Presley or something. No, you heard a voice of God or something make you feel a special touch. If you didn't, I'm sorry. Yeah. But most of us who are hearing from God and wanting God's touch will hear something out of that horn. Now, the end of this horn here, is this natural? Well, I think the natural, it's so when they tear it off. No, when they tear it off the head, it can be jagged all over. But oh. the artistic value of the guy who's cutting or the gal, they use like a Dremel or something that they can fine-tune the, yeah. the look of it. It's up to them to make it curve differently. I know. I think it's neat yeah. the way they did that. But some of them that come out of Israel will just be straight cut across Oh, really? Well, this one's not straight cut. It's at an angle. Yeah. But it will be a straight cut like that. Yeah. But I can cut them if somebody wants me to. I charge them 10 more dollars. And I can put little dips in there like that one horn I got that I showed you. Yeah. Or I can make it so you have like castles like around Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. And if you've been to the Temple Mount of Jerusalem. Yeah. You got those kind of like it was in the medieval capitals. And uh, Chuck Pierce, many people know Chuck Pierce. Yeah. His prayer warrior. It's ahead of it. Mm -hmm. And she bought shofar software and she wanted it done and I did it. Yeah. So you can do special things with it that way. But try to keep it as natural as possible. Yeah. Well, Dennis, then why do you put that red band on there? <laughs> that red band is not something that's going to stand out like a sore thumb to cause people a lot of questions other than 